Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and this week I'm talking to Dr. Andrew Chappelle. We are talking all about his 2022 season as a pro natural bodybuilder. He did five shows, if you count his guest posing at the WMBF Island. And we dig into that, the highs, the lows, what went well, what could go better, and what the future holds for Andy as well. I think not only do you get a cool story behind very dedicated competitor for the season, but you get some insights into how that might impact you if you are coaching someone to stage or if you're taking yourself to stage as well. And as a reminder, we do have our ultimate guide to contest prep. This is an ebook that you can get hold of, and this takes you all the way from kind of think things to think about before stepping on stage and even start your contest prep through the thick of it, the digging phase, the peaking, and then even the recovery phase afterwards, which we touch on a little bit during this podcast as well. But without further ado, let's get into the show. Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Andy Chappelle back on the show. Uh, I was just saying it's two months since we were on and we were chatting about my judging experience at the WMBF Supernaturals, which was a great experience. And Andy, uh, for those who don't know, was also competing this season. So uh, he's been stripping off the body fat. And now I guess you're feeling fairly recovered because uh, you last stepped off stage like end of November. It's now, well, actually, I suppose it's not been long. It's been a number of weeks. So how are you feeling, Andy? Oh, I'm feeling much, much better. Thanks, uh, thanks very much. Despite this little cold that I've, uh, I've got, was it only about two months ago we did the, uh, yeah, the other podcast? It's you crazy. Time goes sometimes, don't you? Yeah. My cheeks have barely filled out since then, and I knew you'd uh, ask me about this, so I, I weighed myself um, for the the show, and uh, I think they weighed me in at one seven six point eight pounds, which is eighty point one. And I weighed myself this morning, so I'm 80, uh, 86 kilos. So I'm six kilos heavier from that. And, and I certainly feel much more recovered since um, since November. So I think we're pushing about three and a half weeks since I've, I've been on stage. And I've, okay. I was in LA. I mean, if you're going to gain weight after the competition, guys, America is the place to, uh, <laughs> to do it. The, the land of the burger um, <laughs> and the doggy bag for a reason. Like everything is huge portion sizes and... I mean, I was I was not reverse dieting or not reverse dieting in the slow, gradual sense. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think actually that's a, a good place to start in a way. Has your yeah. post-show kind of, obviously you've been competing a long time, you've done many seasons. Has mm-hmm. it evolved as you've kind of learned how better tra- to transition out of like the post-show period? Has that been a struggle for you? I know some people struggle with the post-show period. It's a good question. It's, it's a really, really good one. Um, and I was thinking about how to answer this because, I, I, like I say, I knew you were going to ask this. When I first started, this sort of the concept of the reverse dieting it wasn't really a thing. So people weren't really sort of talking about it. I think Championship Bodybuilding, which is Chris Asito's book, had a little bit of an idea about it. But I think maybe Lee Norton, when he came up with this, this concept of um, metabolic damage, um, and, and people were talking about it. I only maybe really started around about 2010, 2011, I think. Yeah. Correct. Someone will probably correct me somewhere. But so that wasn't a really thing. But the thing that was really popular was like, okay, post contest, what you were supposed to do was you were supposed to get that post contest rebound, gain as much weight as you possibly could because you were like a sponge, obviously, and you were going to miraculously gain an extra one or two kilograms more muscle than you were always going to ever gain. 
Now that we all kind of know that that doesn't really happen, right? I wish it did, yeah. but it, it doesn't really work like that. So my approach had always been, oh well, I need to gain weight, obviously, after the contest, and and I kind of did that from being a junior up until um, I, I became a, a mister, um, and I kind of just then I realised that there wasn't a lot of value in in kind of doing that, but I was always very conscious of this this notion that. And again, maybe it comes from the sports science that I studied that when Olympic athletes did their Olympic cycles, post that, they really needed to, to have that downtime so that they could recover both physiologically and, and psychologically as well. And being a, a big football fan, um, everyone knows you've got that sort of end of season where they all go on holiday. They take that sort of period of time off. They go to the beaches and stuff like that. And then uh, they come back and they train really hard for, for pre-season. So I always kind of looked at it as well in that sort of context as well. Roddy Coleman was a very prominent bodybuilder at the time, along with Kev Levrone. And those guys were famous for just taking time off post-contest as well to, to let themselves um, recover too. Some of that, I think, was obviously from the recovery from the drug regimes that they were sure. doing. So and an answer to your your whole question yeah the, the approach that i kind of took early when i started was gain the weight quickly little did i know that it was actually probably doing me good to help me from my hormonal perspective and get back to to normal later on i sort of realized that actually it was probably still a good thing even if i wasn't doing it for the sake of um of necessarily gaining it um this this muscle mass and then now i kind of sort of take it from a, a perspective of like a a psychological point of view like I've, I've done 10 months of prepping for a show or maybe close to 11 months i just wanted a little take a little break now and uh, when i've finished i know that i'm going to maybe if i compete next year or the year after it and um, taking that little bit of time off is not going to do me that much harm in the long run and as long as i keep myself around about this 86 87 kilogram mark it'll be fine i'll just um I'll, i'm intuitively eating if you like just now I've, I've had all the snacks i think that i need yeah. to, to have I've, I've got that out of my, my system and then the, the other thing is, is I, I need my body to just kind of recover a little bit because I've got this niggle that I had all year with my back. It feels sure. so much better. I mean, who'd have thought just taking time off yeah. <laughs> would make the biggest difference. And uh, as I always say to people, if you were a footballer or a rugby player and you hurt your knee, they probably have you in crutches and taking a month off and not doing deadlifts on the side because it doesn't aggravate it. Um, so that little bit of time off has been, been good as well. So um, I, I just think that psychological break is a good thing, but I'm very conscious it's personalities. It's, it's yeah. totally, totally personalities. And what I'm comfortable with doing compared to someone else, and because I work with people, you see it. Some people need to have that time where they're, they get back in, they get that structure uh, early on because like they, they get anxious uh, around it. But I think yeah. breaking that tunnel vision cycle is, is important as well. So th- that's a long answer to your, your question. No, it's, it's good because... Like, I, I I agree when I look back at how things were done originally, it was people would kind of rebound. And I think yeah. probably historically people took it too far. And oh, then like, okay. so that was one end of the pendulum. And then like the reverse diet came popular. And it was the other end of the pendulum where yeah. it was too slow. And now people are like, ah, we need to like bring this in the middle somewhere where we gain a bunch of weight back, not too much. And like yeah. you said, it is individual dependent. It sounds like you deal quite well with just having that break and you're not going to suddenly kind of go wild and gain like 20 kilos over stage and rebound the whole weight that you lost during your kind of competition. 
Whereas, you know, other people need that structure and everything, which again comes from like your coaching experience, which makes complete sense. I've seen that too. And I'm that person that needs like, I need like the structure a little bit. I can have a few days or maybe a week like I did in Vegas afterwards, which was great. That was the best kind of recovery period I could have hoped for actually, because it it forced me in that time to just go like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to eat this food, Uh, (laughs) which helped. And then I got back to structure when I was home. Uh, but yeah, that that's really cool that you've kind of, yeah, you avoided the really slow, meticulous, horrible reverse diet where yeah. you're still essentially not recovering. You're kind of extending the horrible part of prep in a way. In terms of, I don't think I had this as a question, but in terms of diet fatigue during prep, are you someone, do you experience it severely? Like in terms of libido's gone, kind of cold all the time, food focus. Have you found that maybe as experience has grown, you've dealt with that better but how do you kind of what's the worst thing you find when you're dieting oh that that's a good question as well and, and i've got to give you props by the way steve because this is something that you're you're very good at within the industry is that 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 example of the pendulum strike swinging about on one end to the other end what i've noticed from yourself over the years is you've got very good at saying the answer guys is probably somewhere in the middle yeah. <laughs> and 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 fair play like Good on you for continuing to champion that. Um, but the, to answer your, your question in terms of um, the, the diet and fatigue, oh gosh, um, I mean, you, you definitely experience it. The more that you do it, you just get used to that sort of lifestyle. I mean, I, this was, I think, my 10th season of, wow. of bodybuilding. I know, right? So 10 seasons of bodybuilding in between seasons that I've had off of, of bodybuilding. And I did my first show when I was 19. So like I've spent like a good majority of my adult life like on a diet. So like for me, like I'm I'm very used to that that approach. And and like you probably don't suffer, or at least I don't, with the um missing out on stuff quite as much as uh, you otherwise would would like. But when you get to that sort of tail end of the diet, when the, the calories are are much lower, that's when you I think because your your body's got that that drive to to go and eat. And you're probably craving more sort of high calorie foods, and you start thinking, "Oh, I could really go a donut," you know. <laughs> Whereas, like weeks and weeks prior to that, that that wasn't um, that wasn't an issue. In terms of symptoms, though, I think I'm probably experiencing those things more. So, sleep, like my sleep is terrible, like at the tail end of of dieting. And I was thinking about this earlier on, and you've probably, I, I know you've had some great guests that come on and speak about sleep. And they would be able to give me some very good explanations as to why my sleep is, is messed up um, in, in such a way. So feel free to tell me what they, they are. But yeah, you go from getting eight hours to like six to four hours of broken sleep. And that's yeah. that's pretty murder. Um, the lack of energy and the, the lethargy. So just carrying your body around with you sometimes right at the tail end as well. That's that's not the most fun. Uh, you definitely experience that. You notice the difference in terms of the, your libido. Um, certainly that just dive bombs uh, at the, the end of thing. But there, there's another thing as well. And I don't know if I experienced this more this time than, than our times. But um, like anxiety, that sort of anxiety goes up a little bit. And I remember we studied this on guys in the lab. And we looked at state and trait and what we see is that the anxiety goes up in people um, when they're when they're contest prepping. So it's just like little things like get my meals in, I'm going to make my meals lately, or 
I've got to um, manage to my training session in, or I've got to be somewhere, or I'm going to be staying over. I get more anxious, more tetchy than the normal. And those are the, the sort of main things that I think I experience. So the, the tiredness, the lack of sleep, the, the anxiety, and the, the loss of libido. I think I experience all those things, and they're more of an issue for me than, than food focus and than, than anything else or that, that drive because you just kind of yeah. get on with that yeah that that makes a ton of sense that is similar to how i've felt it maybe in the first preps that food focus and things like i didn't know how to deal with yeah. that as well and as you kind of get used to that it's, you then are just like man i'm just not i'm a shadow of my former self i can't function as i normally can <laughs> and yeah sleep is a bit i think for mo like 99 percent of competitors goes to pretty shit <laughs> and uh, i've spoken to yeah you're right greg potter's the guy who i often bring on to talk about this yeah. and there's not been like research done of course on these like competitors taking to stage and like like looking at their sleep and why but i believe it's probably yeah. he, he kind of puts it down to stress and you're just in this kind of heightened stress kind of state and so that just doesn't lead to productive sleep which uh, okay. there's not too much you can really do about that <laughs> outside of your usual sleep hygiene i think a lot no. of competitors go way too wild with caffeine so i imagine you had a handle on that though yeah no i did that thinking as well is it that people take more pre-workouts more caffeine and then that influences it but then i think there was another variable there and the stress thing makes sense i mean if you're dumping huge amounts of adrenal um hormones all the time then you're you're going to be more anxious and that's probably going to influence your your sleep but yeah the pretty decent one my my uh, caffeine intake you're you're i i limit that probably one in the morning one in the afternoon and maybe i would do a, an energy drink potentially but not much more more than that and yeah. the days of taking fat burners like i don't really not anymore they're just really high in caffeine anyway uh, i've not taken them for years and then pre-workouts i don't really often touch pre-workouts just because again I, I often work out in the evening and i can't sleep from the caffeine so i kind of just yeah. avoid them plus they taste a bit nasty most pre-workouts <laughs> they're yeah. really sour yeah yeah this, you grow it's funny pre-workouts i normally i periodize them a little bit and so i only use them okay. now and then and i i initially when i start them i'm like Ugh. and then by the end of that <laughs> time i'm using it it's normally like final week before deloading i am introducing them and then by the final week i grow accustomed to it i'm like oh i like this and then it's removed again um <laughs> but that that makes a ton of sense and i guess i jumped the gun a little bit because i wanted to kind of tell the listeners or oh, your season and kind of you did it one two three four you have five shows so quite a handful of shows and you you did very well this season i don't know if um, was it five i'm trying to remember was it five it may have been five you might be right. i have five anyway unless i missed any um i think you definitely did at least five so you're well, actually no five. sorry one of them was guest posing so it was the island oh, guest case. posing yeah, it was five yeah you're right it was five. yeah it was on stage so was there any so for the, the listeners, you did the WMBF uh, Island Guest Posing, the Nava right, England yeah. the Classic, which you won, the WMBF Germany Pro Show, which you came third, I believe. Yep. Nava Mr. Universe again, uh, you came third at that one. And mm -hmm. then uh, WMBF Worlds, where we, you came second in the pro class, uh, in the world yep. pro class, which, I mean, quite a record. Uh, I don't know if any of oh, those right, yeah. stand out to you in particular. I don't know if we want to walk through every single one. Uh, oh gosh, what what can we say about um, all those different ones and which ones stand out from there? From there, I have got a YouTube series actually. I should mention. Oh, amazing! Oh, yeah, if you go over to Pro Prep Coaching, you can see we've made a we made a um, 
uh, an actual vlog and we got a videographer and everything like that. We hired him to come and, and film a lot of stuff. So you can go and follow this stuff on uh, on the YouTube. So just head on, head on over there. The Irish show was great. I That was good. Doing a guest spot. Because that was kind of like a soft entry into yeah. the whole contest season. Because the last time I competed was 2019. And um, that was in the November. So coming back and do, getting on stage at the Irish show was was great. Because I hadn't been on stage for, what's that, three years? And you just forget. You just forget what it's like being up there. And as much practice as you can do uh, in the mirror, you I, you just can't practice for that sort of adrenaline dump yeah. that you get when you're on stage and how that makes you kind of feel a little bit um, anxious. It's a great feeling. Like yeah. we were kind of all addicted to that, I think, when we're doing the the, the bodybuilding. But yeah, the, the Irish show was great. We, we loved going over there to help those guys uh, with that because that was their first ever show and uh, I'd love to go over again and do that uh, next year and what was nice about that was that um, Chelsea Doherty who came third at the Worlds in the Fit Body class she did the uh, the guest spot as well and she's one of my clients so um, I got to do the guest spot with her so that was kind of like a bit of a little unique experience and all of these shows that, that I did um, I had different posing routines for them and I love doing posing routines like coming up with different uh, routines and that was quite a cool one I really enjoyed doing that the Irish people were so nice uh, it was Finbar and uh, Lil who organised it, were lovely people and do you know what, they drug tested all 50 odd 60 athletes that took part in that show so respect for them as well and that's going to be a, a really um, a, a show that grows over, over the years but yeah that was kind of like a tester to get back up on stage and it was well worth doing it because like I just forgot completely how uh, how it all went but the first sort of big show, I guess, we we did that year was the the NABA, the NABA England, uh, I suppose. And that was kind of daunting uh, doing that one because you're going up on on stage against guys that are uh, non-tested of you, like the, the assisted guys. And have you ever done it yourself? Uh, I, I <laughs> This is going to sound really bad, but I barely have felt <laughs> big enough or uh, good enough as a bodybuilder against okay. natural competitors. So going against like untested guys, I'd be like, damn, I'm just going to look like an idiot. Um, maybe in future though, maybe I'm kind of plucking up the courage and I can see myself. So no, I haven't done it. <laughs> well, to all the things that you're talking about there, like that, I'm getting the same sort of experience and sort of feelings and stuff like that when I'm going to go and stand up against those guys. Because if I stand on stage and like that pro worlds I did, I was the heaviest guy in the middleweight class at my height. Like, so I'm the biggest guy in the class. But you're going to go up against these other guys. It's like, okay, all of a sudden, you're really getting taken out of your comfort zone. So that was um, that was a real daunting thing to go and do that. But it's, and you kind of weigh it up from two different perspectives. As a natural bodybuilder, should you be going and doing these shows? Because some people are saying like, well, maybe you're promoting sure. that side of the sport. But then on the other hand, if you go and you do well at these shows, it's the same thing you're showing, well, actually, look how great you can look and you don't actually have to use... You don't have to use performance enhancing drugs. So you've yeah. kind of got like sort of two different sides um, of the, of the same coin going uh, going in there um, on that one. So NABA for me, when I did the, when I first started training and working out, one of my, my first coaches, it uh, was a guy called um, William Shields and uh, he'd done the NABA universe. And then I went and worked with Extreme Nutrition. We went around all the, the NABA shows, but the NABA universe was like the big show in the UK, like that was really um, the the blue ribbon stage to do it. And that was the time when you had the UK BFF and they did all the, the IFBB sure. stuff, but still you had the, the NABA universe was 
was the show. And uh, I remember doing it in 2019 and I, I finished out with the, the top five on that one. So for me, this year it was like a little bit of redemption. I yeah. wanted to go and do the NABA universe again. So that was like the gateway was do the NABA England. And if you do well at the NABA England, then you can go to do the, the, NABA, the NABA universe. And um, it's a tough show because you either qualify at the NABA Britain as uh, one of the top guys, or you do this show and you get to go to the NABA universe. So all the, the best guys that want to go to the universe were there. So um, I was very pleased that I gave myself a, a good showing. That earlier show that I did over in Ireland, whereby um, I got that little bit of stage experience, it was so valuable. Because yeah. it just it forced me up my game a little bit more in terms of my posing practice and my preparations and everything uh, from there. And then um, at, at that point, you're, you're on stage and getting a win against those guys. And guys who were really good competitors as well gives you that little bit of, uh, of confidence as well. The, the major things that stand out from, from that one was um, is I had to make weight. So I've got to be under the, the 80 kilo mark. And I don't know if you've ever tried to make weight before. Not yet, <laughs> thankfully. Well, it's it's never fun. No, it's never fun because you have to be just dehydrated and watch everything that you're you're actually eating. So it was a, a good opportunity to sort of try a few things out from a, from there. So basically, the the day before that show, I um, think I restricted the water from about five pm, um, and then just sort of sipped on water after that. And I restricted the fibrous carbohydrates uh, the yep. day before, limited my calories to about probably 1,600 with protein. And then uh, the next day, weighed in, having not really drunk anything, got in at the just under 80 kilos, and then I'd smash as many carbs as I possibly could. And I, I did something slightly different. So I um, I got some, uh, you know, Lucas Aid Sport. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... Normally, as a bodybuilder, you wouldn't think about doing anything like that sort of stuff. Lucas Aid Sport, I mean, madness. But I remember previously, in terms of, of carving up, I'd, um, I'd tried uh, fructose powder. And yep. I thought, okay, right, I want to try and get about 90 to 120 grams of carbohydrates in me quite quick. Then in an hour's time, I want to try and get a little bit more. So I drank a couple of them for hydration's sake. Uh, eh, I could think a pun of, of grapes and then eh, some bananas. And then I had some jam and some more rice cakes and then that was enough to get me nice and full and help me take the the win on that one so yeah that was a it was a good experience and i got to qualify for the, the universe as a as well so that that was cool i like that that was the only win yeah. of the season so i should be particularly <laughs> taken for that do you not see the progress you would like are you sick of writing your own programs or perhaps you need some accountability in order to stick with the plan then it's time to start working with us. We at Revive Stronger offer a truly personalized coaching service. You'll get more than just an email with some macros or random cookie cutter program. With Revive Stronger, you will be the center of our attention. You will receive your own fully individualized training protocol alongside a customized nutritional strategy. We created the coaching around your needs, wants, personal preferences, and your own unique lifestyle. Every single week, we delve into your program in order to make appropriate adjustments so that we get the most out of your time and the best possible outcome. We help both female and male athletes to seriously change their body composition by adding more muscle mass and decreasing fat tissue. No matter if you're a competitive bodybuilder or just want to look better, if you need help with your progress and taking your physique to the next level, our coaching is for you. It's time to make a change. Sign up today and let's revive stronger. Yeah, I think uh, your point of kind of the pre-stage kind of jitters almost, dust yeah. off the cobwebs. 
I can even think to last season, uh, I did the uh, kind of, I called it a warm up show because I didn't have it planned and yeah. I went and did a BMBF qualifier. And man, I can just remember how I felt on that stage in terms of like my quads were just jittering, like nothing, like yeah. hard to contract them when they're like that, yeah. when you're that anxious and kind of like you yeah. said, you just got that adrenaline rush. Um, I don't know, apart from that practice, do you have any, do you have any clients who have struggled with that and you have like advice, like, I guess, because I don't know you're opposing coach. And so it's, yeah. it's part, because you can practice all you like, like you said, from home, but as soon as you're on the stage, it's like that whole like adrenaline rush and everything that's yeah. going on. It's a, it's a big change versus like, I know at home I could hit my quads perfect. And then when I'm on stage, yeah. I'm like, oh, damn. Like, Well, that, that's a good question. But I think you need to over-practice for a start because you, you forget that on the day, most people struggle to sleep the night before the show. Yeah. So, so you've got that from there. So you're tired. You've got tan on. So you're all sticky and stuff like that. You're stressed because you've got everything going on. You might have had to, to make weight. Often you're not as hydrated as you could be, or, or maybe you are. It depends on what you're doing. Uh, you're in an unfamiliar setting. And then when you go on stage, you get that, you've got those bright lights and you've got the adrenaline pump as well. And you've done a whole load of pumping up backstage. So the conditions are completely different to when you practice. Um, and most people, when they practice, like I, I always say I practice with a stopwatch because I find it very useful in there because you can at least um, progress with it because you can add 10 seconds, 10 seconds, et cetera, um, on there. But the, where people struggle is they don't squeeze hard enough. Right. Uh, when when they're doing it um, and until you do that sort of first warm-up show it's having that barometer of how hard you've got to sort of squeeze so i often see it over practice so if you put in enough minutes of standing in those front relaxed shots and doing enough rounds then when you've got that big adrenaline dump and you're using up so much energy when you're at uh, when you're on stage at least you've prepared way too much so that you've got enough in the tank so you can do that so that's the first thing the second thing I always sort of say to people is um, if you can visualize, so you use mental imagery, that's very useful. So if you can go into the venue in advance, uh, go and see a show in advance, that, that's helpful at the same place. But go around, have a look and see where the people are standing on the stage where the compare is, where the line is, look how the colleagues are working, how the judging is going, go backstage to make sure that you understand where the um, the pump up areas and everything like that. So you can have all these things and you've done your recce in advance and then build up a mental picture in your head of what it's going to be like when you get on stage. So you're going to be squeezing your quads and your arms, your legs, everything like that on, on the stage. You're going to be sweating what that feels like, what the sounds are going to be like. And the more vivid the image you can build up using all five of your senses, then the, the better. And if you can build that whole experience up to being two minutes, five minutes on stage, that can be helpful. So that's another thing. And then the other thing I think is helpful is if you can stop people going on to autopilot, and that's a, a major thing uh, as well. So if you can get people when they're up there not to just go on adrenaline and get them to just calm down and remember, okay, this is just what I've been doing before. Take a breath, execute my shots, do my quarter turns like I should be doing them. Don't oversell them or... Uh, just calm down so I can turn for them properly so I don't slip or make mistakes and things like that. If you can get them to calm down and then you can start enjoying it, I think those are the, the things I sort of yeah. would say. So over-practice, imagery, not going on to, to autopilot, um, self-talk when you're on the stage as well, execute your, your points. All these things are uh, are helpful. So try them out, Steve. But yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense. I think uh, 
the last one there in terms of like not going into autopilot is a tough one because I think yeah. at least that's something like I drill into myself. Yeah. It's like, I want to impress from the get-go. So I'm like, I need to be yeah. on, I need to like show off. And so you build that up immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you see it with like, if as even as a judge, I've seen it where people are a bit too relaxed and they're almost like yeah. they're not showing themselves and then they kind yeah. of grow within the posing. So yeah, it's a, it's a nice balance you have to find. It's a balance for sure. Yeah. yeah. For, so, for sure. I think that again, that advice of over, you, you can almost, you can't practice enough with posing. It's just, no, you can't. Care. So that makes tons of sense. I know you even shared, and I saw it too, uh, to jump the gun a little bit with the WMBF worlds, like in that class, super competitive, but there was well, one person stood out to me is they, they weren't hitting a pose like a pro. Oh, yeah, like they yeah. just weren't posing, showing off their physique and, like it's crazy to think even it, like how well that person's done to get to that level without the posing even being yeah. like, well, why are you not able to 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 show your goods yeah <laughs> like, so and the great thing for that person is they've got something easy that they can yeah. suddenly jump places which is quite cool whereas like yourself there's not much you can probably do on the posing front <laughs> no, no, there's, i mean i think there's always ways you can improve yeah. i think there always is things i was watching frank zane today i was like need to hit my abs and thighs <laughs> shot like that but i don't know if many people can hit an abs and thighs quite like frags <laughs> yeah that's true uh so now we're on to the wbf germany where you yeah. came third in that pro class i mean the germans yeah. i mean like me and oh pascal were talking about <laughs> the quality Jeez, of competitor no. <laughs> those guys like i mean that that was a beautiful show by the way that was really nice i've rarely done a show in such an idyllic setting um it was like the sound of music, you know, when she's like spinning around in the countryside and there's like a beautiful ski lodge. And yes, yeah, it was like that. The little town they held it in outside Munich, were like, this place is amazing. Really, really nice. Um, so the, the German show, the, it pains me to say it. I think the standard may be slightly higher there for natural bodybuilding than it is in the UK. They're, the guys were phenomenal. And they, James Melville went across with me because he won yeah. the pro card at the, um, the Irish show. And then he was making his pro debut. And I remember we watched the overall um, for the amateurs. And they were giving it two pro cards in overall. And we both watched it like with our mouths gas, like, like how good are these guys? And we're like, well, there goes first and second, James. <laughs> and the pro lineup after, uh, after that. Um, the thing about uh, the, the, the standards just really high. And they, they all looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was like, wow, they're all <laughs> big blonde units <laughs> slight stereotyping there but no the, the standard was great and the junior lineup i think i mean there's a lot of potential there that's one of the best junior lineups i think i've ever seen i'm struggling to think of a, a better one um from from there and um, so yeah that was the first big show for for me that season though was to do this this german show and i was thinking right okay i've got a good record in terms of pro contests and maybe this is one that i could win Right, going going into that one from uh, from there, and I remember Samuel Hartman. You remember him yeah. from the previous year? I great bodybuilder. He won the pro card at our show, and I remember seeing yeah. him outside. And I was like, Samuel, you're a great bodybuilder. You're fantastic, and you're definitely the future, but not today, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just teasing him, right? Yeah. And he beat me. <laughs> yeah. Samuel has the, the the kind of muscle bellies, his symmetry, yeah. like it's just absurd like shapes that he throws out yeah he's i think he's possibly the best poser i've ever seen he's amazing he's, he's so good at putting together routines he, he's just fantastic he's very creative he's he, he, he's a 
clearly a student of the sport. I see him doing all the classic Francis Benfatos and Bob Paris shots, and um, he, he can move elegantly and, and brilliantly. And he's just very, very broad. His shoulder to hip ratio is ridiculous. To a huge quads, his conditioning is, is enough. And unfortunately for me, his strengths are also my strengths. So yes. the, the the judges just ended up going with um, going with him in the in the end. And the uh, the chap that won the overall championship for the amateur, Fabian Fared, he won the um, the the German show. James, to his credit, came fourth. So he was just uh, just behind me in that show. It was a great show for him. And uh, I think he what was the expression he said? The guy from the PCA said this. Tell me, said that he turned up to the the PCA Britain because he won the classic class there without yep. his skin. I mean, like <laughs> it was shredded. Yeah, James gets that, so shredded. That kind of conditioning, it's like wow. Like yeah. you're always going to be in contention with it with that stuff. So no, that that was fun. I enjoyed that that show. The look that I had for that one, I think it was slightly tighter than um, than the Naba England. But I think what I really needed to do for for that show to to push Samuel because I think. There was an argument I could, I think, been ahead of Samuel in that one. I wasn't beating Fabian, though, on, on that one. I, I think it needs to just be a little bit tighter for that, and that probably goes back to the things that we did um, within the, the prep um, throughout there. But it's still, it was a lot of fun. It was a good show, and competing internationally, you've done it. It's, it is cool. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, yeah. So after that show, because I wasn't particularly happy with the look that I had there because I felt like, okay, I managed to get decent fullness but i didn't quite have the separation in my legs that i wanted to have um i didn't quite have the, the separation and the arms i had the size and i've got the, the posing and that's always going to going to help me so i think for the, the next two weeks after that because i had the the navi universe and then i had the the the, the WMBF world which was three weeks after that german show i think it was um i i got to work on doing much more cardio um, before that, I'd been doing like 30 minutes five times per week. And I think I upped it to uh, doing 40 minutes five times per week. And then the week after that, I was doing 50 minutes. And like I just went with like half the amount of carbs. So it's only about 200 grams. And then we just took it down to 100 grams for the first show. And then Steve, for the, for the worlds, I just killed myself. I just went zero carbs for about <laughs> six, seven days. And I was not fun to be around. <laughs> like, no, I bet. <laughs> no, I was just like, I was miserable. That is when I started getting the worst food focus and the um, the sleep was at its worst. And that's when my, my body fat levels were probably at the, the lowest. And I think if I'd managed to get the look that I had from the, um, the worlds a little bit earlier, then I could have maybe changed some of the results that I'd got on those other sure. ones. It was still a great season. Yeah. Still a great season, but when you reflect on things. So... Yeah, Germany was still a lot of great fun though. In turn, you mentioned uh, obviously you're tracking macros, yeah. cardio. Were you also tracking steps or anything like that alongside? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was. So um, I've been habitually just doing about four and a half to, to 5,000 steps um, per day. And then I was doing a little bit more at the, at the weekend. And I think I managed to up it to around about 6,000 steps. Um, and it was, and I just kind of kept that fairly consistent for the, the whole the whole prep. It was the cardio yeah. where I was really making the, the biggest inroads in terms of, let's say the cardio. It was the stationary bike that was making the biggest inroads in terms yeah. of the, the cardio. I mean, it's good to just walk for the sake of 
just sure. getting some activity in. I mean, I do this job like you where you're sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. So I, I walk to the gym and that's 20 minutes. <laughs> I walk back, is 20 minutes. And that works out around about the, the steps yeah. from there. And then I, then I look after my, my four-year-old and he's, yeah, a four-year-old running about crazy <laughs> on bouncy castles and stuff. You have to <laughs> pick your poison because... I didn't do any cardio during my prep, yeah. but I ended up at a weight, like 10 kilo weighted vest and doing, I think on I average, 15, that, yeah. 15 plus thousand steps. So it's like, well, <laughs> I'd, you could look at me and be like, oh, he got away with no cardio, but you, you had less than 10,000 steps and no weighted vest. So it's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's the, no easy route. <laughs> I mean, would you do a game with a weighted vest or would oh. you just go, nah, screw this, I'm <laughs> I might try sticking to the five kilo and just wearing it for steps and nothing else. Because uh-huh. I was wearing 10 and stood all day, which was, it just became such a psychological burden to have to think about standing all day with this thing on. So yeah, I would, I, I'd modify it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you must, at what point did you get over it? And you're like, right, I am no longer feeling like a Dragon Ball Z character. It's <laughs> not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, that actually happened quite soon. Uh, I was very pleased <laughs> That's what I thought. to That's get rid what of I it. <laughs> when I was doing the stationary bike as well, I was just working. I was just like sure. answering messages and, and doing this sort of stuff. Or I would um, or I'd do it in the house on my treadmill and I'd just game. Yeah, I'd just play perfect. like little video games. So, so we've like, got... Sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, no, go on. I was just going to say, so we've done the WF Germany and then you had the NABBA Mist of a Universe. Did you have many expectations going into that? How how did you feel that went? Um, oh yeah, well that was, that was again, it's a difficult one because you're always going out to do the um, these shows and you want to do your best and we talked about being tested, untested. You don't want to embarrass yourself. That's the other thing. And particularly when you're, you're a good natural competitor, you feel like you're flying the flag for a dress of a snatty. So you don't want to let anyone else down. So you, Going into it, because I've placed out the top five the previous year, I was a bit, um, well, I, I wasn't really sure, but getting the win against guys at the NABA England, and also because I knew the judges that judged that show would also be probably, a number of them would be at the, um, the NABA universe, I thought that was going to stand me in good stead because they've seen me already. Sure. So when it comes to the call-outs, they'll go, no, no, let's, let's have a look at Andy because he won that show a few weeks ago. So let's see how he compares going in. So, and I also knew I had a better look. So I was, I'm bigger than I was in 2019 when I did it before. Uh, I think I posed better than I did in 2019 before. Um, I spoke to the, the head judge as well at the, the NABA England. I knew he was a head judge at the, uh, the NABA Wales. And he was a fan of mine. Um, sorry, NABA Universe, not NABA Wales. He was a fan of mine. So I thought, okay, um, at least I'm going to get some probably call outs here. And then it's up to me to, to kind of do the, do the rest. Um, I also knew that um, a boy, Plamen, I competed against before. I think he won the NABA Universe before, so I was up against him. But I thought, do you know what? I, I fancy my chances against him. Um, and if I knew if I could beat him, then um, I'd be, I'd do, well, I'd probably win the, the show. So I thought, okay, make top five. Uh, that, that's the thing that you want to get out of this. I think there was maybe 10 of us in that show. And the, the chap that won was a guy from France. Um, a guy called Christopher, oh, I'm sorry, his second name escapes me, but it's just a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, you go into those shows and you're going to go up against that. And uh, a very nice physique, um, great V taper. Um, I think there was a, an argument that I could maybe potentially done. Plamen, who was not as, uh, I would necessarily argue, as pretty as me in terms of that classical look. I mean, 
it was another sort of show. You've got that shaved head, muscular guy. Um, I, I think for classic, you need to at least have hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not, maybe not. But yeah, you, you want to have that sort of that good aesthetic. It can look healthy as well. I think that's the other thing about classic. So no, third was a great result. I was really, really happy with uh, with that one. Um, I think I could have got the food a little bit better on that one because I took a very similar approach that I took for the um, the Naba England one. But because it was a day before weigh-in, um, I was able to to change the, the meal timings. I think I just ate slightly too much close to stage time. So it was a little bit bloody in the midsection compared to how I would like to be. But otherwise, yeah, it was a it was good fun. It was good looking. I kind of sort of exercised the demon there from from before and done the Navi universe. It was cool. Yeah. What was so funny though? It's <laughs> Naba, right? So you turn up to this show and like we all know what Naba is. And he had this like background thing like Naba Universe 2019, uh, sorry, 2022, sponsored by Peak Bodies. And like they had a range of supplements on the stage. I was like, oh, look, they're all SARMs and basically <laughs> Perfect. You're like, great guys. I mean, I know this is Naba, but you be more subtle at least. <laughs> Brilliant. And I mean, you bested to 2019 where you, yeah, where you came, that, where did you come in 2019 fourth? Oh, uh, um, in 2019 at, at that particular show, I, the place the top six. So I think I would have been maybe okay. seven. Uh, right. on that, judging by the call outs and stuff. I never ever got the, the scorecards. Okay. Um, I would love to do it again, but I don't know if I could, if they would give me an invite to go to the, the finals and do the, the universe rather than doing the qualifier, I'd maybe consider doing it. But, like I, I they, they normally only give the top two a, a re uh, invite from from there because I, I don't know if I want to do the the qualifier ever again. Sure. Uh, from there and next year there's there's a number of other shows that I think we can look at from the um, natural European scene. What would be cool pro shows? Yeah. And then obviously WMBF Worlds, kind the of Worlds, yeah, huge event. And to me, obviously, I did the year prior. This looked yeah. bigger, more more people competing, yeah. especially on the pro side, yeah. uh, but also in the amateur ranks. How how did yeah. that go for you? How did you feel that went? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It's it's great. I mean, you, you did it yourself. You've reflected on what it's like to go and do these these pro shows at, um, and do these world finals. It, it's so much fun, and going across the team was was great as well. Because prior to that, like, okay, I'm going across, and I'm like. The, the promoter and the representative for it. But yeah. what was nice was like, I got to be part of the team as an actual athlete, which was kind of cool and sort of live that again, which was which was really, really nice rather than being like slightly uh, separate yeah. from it. So that that was cool. So um, yeah, it was, it was good. I'd never beat the LA before. So that was cool. LA is massive, by the way. That place is like ridiculous. It's like 18 million people. I was like getting... <laughs> anxiety when we're flying and i was like look how big it is it's so big so so big the theater that they held this the, the show in as well steve it was so cool so so cool it was like something from like the um golden era of, of hollywood it was like all art deco walls it was like a crazy high ceiling it was like being at like the oscars from like the fetties oh, or nice. something like that but like that the, the glamour and everything like that. it was such a cool place and then you're right, yeah. I mean, last year when they did it, it was coming off the back of COVID. But this year when they did it, um, it was much more um, akin to how they've had it in the past. I think there was over 250 athletes. Um, the, the pro classes were were stacked. 
what was amazing is like the, the 10 guys in my class were all from different countries. So it's like a proper international yeah. event. And I think the, we had the, the, the winners German. I was British. Third place was, oh gosh, I'm, I'm now forgetting who was uh, on third. Was it Kerwin um, Clark, I think, from, from Africa. We had um, Nunes, who was in the uh, 50s. He's the American. And then in fourth place, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. It's someone's, I, I had them up online today when I was putting them out there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll remember them uh, later. But yeah, that was, that was really, really cool. And I was really, that, that look that I had at that show, it was so close. Because I knew, like, I looked at all the photographs after that German championships I've done. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to beat Fabian? Like, sure. I'm as big as him. Unfortunately, when I was looking at, like, shot for shot, like you do, like, okay, can I beat him in the side chest? I'm like, oh, he's got giant arms and massive shoulders. Then I'm like, okay, can I beat him in the rear shot? I'm like, well, he's pretty brilliant there as well. So I was looking for a shot. And the thing that I resolved to do, like I said, was just get tighter. And I thought, okay, if I can get tighter, that might highlight more of my strengths, like my V taper and the way I pose. And and I, because he's he's new to this as well, being a pro stage, I thought right, I could probably outwork him on stage. Yeah. And the way that the callouts and everything like that went, like it was me and him in the mix the whole way through, getting called out and called out. And I was just wanting it to go on and on and on because I thought right, I'll probably be able to outlast everyone on this stage with the amount of posing I do. And I should be able to. Otherwise, I shouldn't be a posing coach. Like, come on. Got to be able to hold yourself there. Sure. So, like, it, it came to it, and they, they did the um, the announcement. I was like, I thought I was genuinely to get down to five, and then four, and then three. They were like, "You're down your last two. Like, I could actually have this. The way this is going, and he, he beat me in the end. Yeah. You know Great competitor. It's just brilliant. Um, I fought in the overall against Bada. You've seen Bada yourself. Yeah. It was maybe going to pick him. Bada's got that. Crazy muscle though. Like yeah, freaky. It's a special kind of thickness. Not necessarily pretty to look at, but you're like, whoa, that's there's a lot going on there in terms of the slabs of, of muscle mass. So that show, um, yeah, I think I got everything just kind of came together the, the best for that one. I think we just got it all right. I, I think in the uh, in the end, and it was a lot of fun. And then afterwards, as I say, I've I've since gained six kilos, so yeah. I went and enjoyed LA as much as I could. Losing weight fast while maintaining muscle mass. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It isn't though. It's reality and we know how to do it. And we will help you achieve this. The Minicup Movement is an eight-week fat loss program to make you lose a huge chunk of fat while maintaining muscle mass at the same time. We will support you from the beginning to the end so that you see the results you would like to and come out of it much stronger. You will receive a fully automated spreadsheet that is based on your nutritional needs. You can choose between six different male and female training templates. Over 30 videos will guide you through each and every single step of the minicup so that you're getting the most out of your journey and that you always know what to do. But the best thing is that you can start whenever you want. The Minicup movement is open 24-7. So if you want to learn more or you're ready to sign up, hit the link in the description below. So let's revive stronger together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, with Fabian, he's just... Like when I saw him winning that class, I was shocked to see... Obviously, badder, like... You, if you didn't come across Bada, you might have like a chance of winning the overall. I'm sure he was in for a shot, but Fabian just has. Oh yeah, I, I think he's probably a freaky got a look. Of first places. Yeah, like, that uh, and he also his tan looked different to everyone else's. He's just just yeah, like this yeah. golden statue <laughs> type of look. I I think it really. Sure, everyone had a certain type of tan, and his was a little bit different. 
and his just seemed to suit the stage lights that little bit different, yeah. which definitely gave him an edge. I mean, it's amazing. Sometimes stuff like that happens. We were all one color and he was just a slightly different color that just suited the lights a little bit different. And uh, I remember one of the Italian judges asked him, he was like, oh yeah, it's such and such. It's like, it's a German company. Yeah. Because he's German, I think he had a little bit of a joke where he was like, yeah, we, we, we're good at a lot of stuff. Cars <laughs> and engineering, of course. all this sort of stuff. So yeah, he was a great competitor. So now I need to sort of work out if I can, I think he's going to take a year off. So if he doesn't compete next year, maybe <laughs> maybe I can stand a chance of winning. <laughs> so you've already, I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. You've already got next year in the kind of as a target. Yeah, I, I think I want to do it. I'm probably about 60 or 70%. The person I need to speak to though is Steph about this. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I'm talking about this on the, on the podcast now, and I've not really fully spoke to her about this yet. <laughs> but can I do it? Can I not do it? Because it's hard prepping. Like you've you've got a partner, and yeah. um, I'm, I'm so busy with uh, with running the the WMBF and and pro prep, and you you take your eye off the ball ever so slightly with with other things. I think sure. uh, when you're prepping, because it's just so all consuming, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, from there, but I do love it. It's and and I think I've what was great about this year was as well, like I did it all, and I was like, okay, Andrew, you still got it. You're you're not over the hill quite yet. From, uh, from here, you can still hang with these younger guys, despite the fact that they're all 24, 25, and they're all like really good uh, from from there. So, and I, yeah, and you're, well, I've got 10 years on a lot of these guys. So it just means I've maybe got a little bit more experience. So yeah, but I would like to maybe do it next year. You've got, I mean, you're not even, you're what, 34, 35? 35. 35. I mean, I don't know. I kind of, you see some, well, obviously Alberto, I think he's in his 40s or he's close to around 40. 39. 39. I'm sorry. Like, I don't um, want to age him. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Alberts, like of course. 50 odd. Yeah, yeah. So and then I think, I think you've got time. <laughs> Steve Hall, uh, sorry, Steve Howard. He's, he competed until I think it was about 54. And like, I, I think if I do it next year, that's it. Like, done. Because I was thinking about it, it's like when when do you stop? <laughs> I guess uh, when you stop loving it, maybe that's kind of yeah. when I would think about it. Maybe like if you are like again, if you're over the hill and you aren't seeing the placings you used to see, you probably yeah. aren't going to still love it as much. Whereas if you're still like like you were in very much in contention for winning WMBF Worlds, yeah. like <laughs> and then you'd be in the overall, and then who knows what happens there. So I guess that's your is that your kind of like that's the thing I want. I, I want to win. I, I think uh, my, my pro record is, I think I've done eight pro shows and I'm six third places and uh, two second places. Yeah. So I've never won one. Right? So, and I was thinking about it. I was like, if I compete next year and do a couple of pro shows, then that would take me to 10 pro shows. And some guys will work their whole career to try and win that pro card and never get there. Or when they win that pro card, they never even compete. And if I, 10 seems, it seems a bit arbitrary, but it seems like <laughs> a good point where I could be like, okay, you had a go at it. You did 10 of them. And if you still didn't manage to win at that point, right? Okay, Andrew, like, let's, let's maybe call it a day here. Because I've got to let you younger guys, like I say, all have a chance in, uh, from there. And, and there's so many other things that I want to do as well, because it, yeah. it just takes up so much time. There's things that I want to develop with the, the WMBF. And I, you get it as well, I'm sure. Like you live vicariously for your own clients. I get so much out of helping them compete. Yeah, uh, as well. It's a, it's a great thing. So I think like 
you see it with things like boxers and, and stuff like that. The ones, the smart ones, they retire when they're still at the top. And the ones that aren't so smart, they they get punch drunk and, and battered and like they're they fade away. And, and I, I feel like I just don't want to do it in my my 40s. Not that there's nothing there's anything wrong with doing that. Sure. But I, I feel like that seems like enough. Yeah, you want to retire like almost at your peak, as it were. Potentially. Um, Potentially. Although, <laughs> yeah, the case that, like, it would be, if I did it again next year and I got all the way to the Worlds and I came second again, then you're right. <laughs> it's that, like, I mean, that would be a great season. Yeah. You'd be like, yes, this is good. But um, you might have that little thing in you. You're like, oh, come on, you've got to, you're almost there. Yeah. And then, I guess, uh, in terms of like next year, what from this season do you think you would do better next season that didn't go quite to? I know you said at one of these you wish maybe you were in condition a bit earlier and you wouldn't have had to change, kind of chase condition and yeah. diet as hard into worlds. And imagine if you'd already, I don't know, had that condition and you were building food up or something at this point. Is that kind of one of the things you're looking? Is there anything else during this prep that you wish was slightly different? Oh no, it's a great question. It's a really good question. And the context is always helpful. For for this season, I started at uh, 94 kilos. And there was points when I was 95.5 kilos. So I, I was quite heavy. And uh, I mean, when you're competing at 80 odd kilos, that's a lot of weight to take off. Sure. And ideally, I would have started the diet earlier. And now I'm 86 odd just now, like I say. I don't think with this off season going into next year, I'm going to let myself get any heavier than 87 because the starting point matters. Because if I've not already got to lose a stone, then then it makes a difference. Plus, I can lose it slower. That can help. You don't have to be as drastic with, with the food. And that can just, you can spend that period of time doing things like diet breaks, but you can harden up as well. And I can get a more extreme condition as well. And that's one, one of the things that I want to try and achieve this year was to get a better level of conditioning I think I've ever had before. And I don't think I quite managed to do that because I, I put some images up today on my, my Instagram of me in 2017. I know the photography was different, but I was hard as nails in 2017, I remember. A really, really solid, solid look. And I don't think I quite got that. And I wonder like, if you could have got that because the difference is you see it with yourself when you're judging and you know when you're on the stage. The difference between winning and losing is tiny margins yeah definitely can be I, so i think that the things i'd do differently is i'd keep myself in better shape i would start my diet earlier i'd start with higher foods i think one thing that's going to be a major difference as well is this year i didn't really do a lot in terms of free weights because i've just i was knackered all year like yeah. i was seeing a physio like every three weeks near enough for it uh, for the whole year because i'd done well, the physio reckons it might have been discs, it might have not been, but there's certainly something going on with, with my hip. And I think next year I'll just be able to squat. Like, and I love squatting. And like, I wasn't able to train my legs quite as much. Um, I'll probably do more pressing, which um, I love doing. Um, big barbell movements as well. And I kind of stayed away from that uh, and away from the dumbbells just because like just chucking weights up and stuff were an issue. And, and I was looking at my physique, I was like, Am I splitting hairs? Was my chest slightly larger in the past? Was I fuller there? Have I lost a little bit there? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. So there's a few little things that I would do differently from it. There's some lessons that I'll take from this year that were useful. I did less volume. That was probably uh, a useful thing. And I, I implemented a strategy of um, 
of doing kind of refeeds, but it's kind of like a, a six and two free things, isn't it? Really, I mean, you either keep the calories high all week, um, or you you go low all week and you have the calories higher at the weekend, yeah. or, or any sort of way you want to slice it. So those are the major things I think we do differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the biggest again. Like this is one of the things I guess you say like as you're promoting like your services and talking to competitors, mm-hmm. like give yourself plenty of time yeah, and 100%. give yourself time and also not being as far away from stage. Like that's two yeah. and the same uh, in a way. And I think like that's, that's always beneficial, especially as you've had more experience because once you're in that thick of it of like, now you're kind of stage ready or you're in a good spot. Now we want to get you like to elite and yeah. you have the mental toughness to stick it out at that point. Whereas I think some newer competitors might struggle more with that, where they're like, man, I'm already so lean. I'm already so dieted. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get mind games and everything. Whereas, you know, kind of, right, I've been here before. Let's stick this through. I know mm-hmm. it's going to be really slow. The scale's not going to be particularly helpful, but I'll be able mm-hmm. to see it and see that improvement. So, yeah, I, ca- I can only imagine not having to almost go as extreme pre into worlds like even not having that week would have probably put you in a less stressed fuller like better like for your condition to show through a little bit more yeah no a hundred percent do you know what though in in a weird kind of sick way when you do something like that and you like sort of go real tunnel vision heads down sort of thing and you're smashing yourself like that there is a sick a sick sick sense of achievement that you've done some of that it's like what what were the I was trying to think what they were called the the group of um uh, religious extremists during the 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 plague era that were going around flagellating themselves whipping their own backs and stuff like that <laughs> right for the yeah. extreme you you feel like if you were paying your dues when you're doing that sort of yeah. stuff yeah I mean that's us bodybuilders love love that yeah yeah, yeah. we love. We never want to pull back. We always want to push harder. Like that's what feels like it's right. But sometimes you have to, especially when you're going for that elite condition where just a yeah. little, like touch too much stress could push you in the wrong direction, actually pulling mm-hmm. back exactly what you need. Uh, so yeah, I can imagine like, yeah, seeing you with just that extra touch of condition. Like the like you said, you're heaviest in your class. You're not miles taller than everyone. Like that says a lot in itself. You're clearly holding on to that muscle mass. So it is, if you can just get that touch a little bit more condition, I'm sure that's going to make a big difference for you. Provided that Miguel Iniesta doesn't turn up ripped again. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is always the contention in that in some ways it's hard to aspire yeah. for a certain spot because it's like, you don't know who's going to, you're just the best on that day, but yeah. we're yeah. all competitive. And like you mentioned earlier, like some people, like maybe you could put me in this, I'm going to continue to compete and go for this pro card and whether or not I get it ever, who knows, but I'm still going to try. And that's why I aspire to just like you're aspiring here. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thing. Like these are our vices. <laughs> we, we love it. What you said earlier on is right. Like, that is probably the point when you, you you retire, when you no longer have the love of it anymore. Like you were saying, that's that's the point. And if, as long as you're still loving, pursuing reason to continue going on and uh, yeah. and, and doing it. I've done it from like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, I guess this is a nice way. We're coming to the hour and we've kind of gone through your entire season. We've talked about next season, what's going to be different for you. So I'm, I could talk to you for... for longer about all of this but it's probably a nice way to wrap it all up 
it, you mentioned your YouTube already where people can like get insights oh, yeah. into all of this. And I've seen some of actually, I need to check it out because I've seen some of the reels over on uh, Instagram and the kind of videography, everything looks fantastic. So not even if people are just like interested, it's going to be a good watch. I can, I can actually imagine that completely. But a uh, YouTube channel, Pro Prep, uh, yourself, WMBF, where should people kind of check all those things out? Just, just like you said, so I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt just now. So head on over to WMBFUK.com. So yourself, Steve, you are judging for us uh, this year. Hopefully you'll join us again for judging next year. But you might be competing, actually. Not, not no, sure. Not, not next year. year. I need more time. Okay. <laughs> so maybe have you behind, the, uh, behind the, the judge's desk again next year. I would love to. So check us out there. Also check us out on the, uh, the Instagram as well. That's WMBF underscore UK. And then in terms of myself, if you want to follow me in my own journey, then I'm at Fueled by Scott's Oats. Um, you'll find me on Instagram. And then pro prep coaching. So if you're interested and you think that we can help you get in the best shape you can possibly get in, then I'm at pro prep coaching and it's proprepcoaching.com and check us out on the, the YouTube, as you said already, that's pro prep coaching as it as well. There's lots of video content on there, guys, um, and you can follow our, our journey on there. Fantastic. Yeah, I can only recommend like people listening. If you're thinking about competing in the WMBF, like just do it. It's uh, a great time and like again that kind of world's trip and everything uh, i've said it so many times it was such a fantastic time to be with the team and to hear you also had that experience doesn't surprise me at all and obviously you're part of that andy and you'll be there well you maybe you'll be going to worlds next year with people uh well, maybe you will be let's uh wait and hear from steph um but yeah make yeah. sure that's all linked in in the bio below and uh yeah we'll catch you soon guys cheers excellent cheers bye So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're gonna have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're going to be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.